The Lord be with you, everyone, and for this week, and then we'll be done with this beatitude, but let's one more time visit this verse where it tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We have seen that This word make, peacemakers, deals with the word poem or poetry. And we we have this, it was too big for my mouth last week, and probably still is, that God is the ultimate poem. That, That is not the way many people look at him. They see more a stern face more like a Supreme Court judge with pince-nez glasses on the end of a pointed nose that comes to investigate us and judge us. But instead, the Scripture continually gives us this image of, of God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, being the ultimate, infinite love and the idea of His dealings with us far better fit the idea of a poem, a lyric, a dance, the joy, the smile of delight. And so it is that Jesus then is the Word of God. It is the translation of the poem of the unbegun, unending, limitless God. He translates into our limited human, and we meet all of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, which means in plain English that everything that you see in Jesus, that's the way God is. And God can never be other than what you meet him in Jesus. For Jesus is the true and only God the Son, who is one with us in our humanity as an authentic human being. God and human are met together. Not that um, we we are not dealing with some out-of-space creature, an alien, but this one was born of the Virgin Mary. He, He began, like we all did, as a speck of life in the womb of the Virgin, and after nine months, he is born through a human birth canal. Oh, Mary, do you know This babe in your arms is really God from God to reveal God inside our humanity. And so the life of Jesus portrays and is that poem of God's love, which when you reduce to a word, as we're looking at it tonight, that's the peace of God. The peace of God is not merely a peace treaty or cessation of war. It is the fullness of life celebrated, a relationship to the full. And Jesus is God in full relationship with the human. Love bringing peace, bringing us assurance of acceptance. But then... And this is where so many people, what can I say, they come to a halt. Jesus died. And as I listen, especially around Easter time, 
um, everybody understands Good Friday, and they talk of Jesus as if, you know, well, love was martyred for us. He loved us so much, he died for us. And that's the end of it. No, that's the beginning of the beginning of the introduction. For following Good Friday is that which is the beginning of a new creation, that which has never happened before, and which leaves us speechless that Jesus rose from the dead. That is, he didn't just come back from the dead. Death died. Jesus conquered death. And when he rose from the dead, it was with a body that could no longer ever be subject to death. And it was a body that was fully oneed with the heavenly. That that was not just an event. We don't just give a shrug and say, well, of course, he was God, so that's what happened. Why do you think he's in our humanity? Why, why do you think he's here at all? To show off being God? He is here. He got inside our humanness. And because he's God, he got inside humanness itself, which means your humanness and my humanness. He got right inside that darkness that could not grasp the poem of God. And from the inside, he spoke the poem. And the resurrection was the blasting out of death, the finishing of death. And the poem had become one with humanity in fullness. But that wasn't the end. Don't end with that. The finale was six weeks later when the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, God who came upon and in Jesus and comes to us as the fullest revelation of Jesus. So you see, in the Holy Trinity, we, we don't have three independents. The Father is fully revealed in the Son, and the Son is fully revealed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus with us. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus inside of us. He has brought the poem of God. He has brought the wonder of who God is. He has brought the very intentions of God. He's brought the attitude of God and written it inside of us. That's the good news. I heard it again just a few hours, weeks ago, that, that you know, the gospel is that you say this prayer after me and go to heaven when you die. No, please, are you hearing me? Look at Jesus and realize <laughs> You go to heaven right now. You bring heaven into this earth and you become the poem of God in the midst of this darkness. That, that's a peacemaker. That, that is the peace poem. It is in the midst of this world, impacting this world. So you see, being a peacemaker, let's let's get it out of the way. It's not the avoidance of confrontation. We don't like confrontation, at least most of us don't. 
Uh, and, and so some people just avoid it. Uh, and they say they're peacemakers. No, you just don't like confrontation. Peacemakers is not to be what you don't do. Peacemaker is what you do do. Well, do, do you understand me? It is. Okay, you see, peacemaker isn't denying the state of the world around me or the state of this circumstance that I'm in or these people around me. It's not denial. It's not hiding their head in the sand. It is bringing into this situation. It's bringing into this, my world, this incredible peace, the peace of God, which passes human understanding, which can only come through as a poem. You see, it's not harsh. It's, God is never harsh. The Holy Spirit always speaks with gentleness. It isn't accosting people. It isn't threatening them with some judgment to come. It's not pontificating over all the evils of the world and saying God's judging it and you'd better get right with God. No, that's not God. Jesus never... Uh, no... He wept over sinners. He dealt with them gently. It's not denial. It's not avoidance of confrontation. It's not taking a place of judgment and thinking I'm bringing peace. This is the active peace of God that we in our lives and in our words also, but primarily the whole way in which we live life, we are bringing the peace of God. And strangely, the peace of God will often bring upset. See, this it's not avoidance of confrontation. Many times the peace of God produces a confrontation. Jesus did. Pharisees entered into a state of rage the very presence of Jesus, and and fought every word he said. See, understand this, please. Please understand it. If we're talking like, as I said the other day, you know, when you hear these persons in reality shows on TV or whatever it is, and, and they say, you know, what, what, what's your greatest desire? And they look, you know, so, they look so, you know, world peace, yeah. no. <laughs> That kind of peace is not what I'm talking about. This is, can I say holy peace? It's sacred peace. It is the peace of God. And it brings always with it the joy. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. And the world hates it. Because they want a peace where there is no God. But this begins with peace with God, and that brings the peace of God. The peace of God destroys the calmness of the flesh. Have you ever looked into a beautiful, still pool? You can see all the way to the bottom. But then you take a stick and you touch that bottom, and all the mud and crud begins to rise to the surface. That, that's human flesh. It can look very calm until the good news of God bringing his peace and it stirs the mud and people get angry. Oh, think about that. See, so when we say Christ is our peace, 
we mean that he summed us up in himself. He took our brokenness. He took all our negative. He took the very sickness of our being. He took our death, and he carried it to death in himself. And he brings us now to fellowship with the Father. And if fellowship sounds too much of a religious word for you, uh, try camarade, or dare I say, try hanging out. It means when dearest friends, or should I dare to say the word buddies, when they come together for the sheer joy of being together, fellowship. That's what it means. It means people come together. And in this case, it means that we come together with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit to the limitless smile of God. And we are caught up into his joy. And that is peace. That's ultimate reconciliation. In in that fellowship, we are not forever wondering if we're right with God. You see, this kind of peace with God, in God, of God, it doesn't mean that I'm wondering on Wednesday if I should get saved again on Sunday. That That is forever past. That's forever gone. You have discovered God who is love has done all, not only to wipe out all sin, but to write his poem within you through the Holy Spirit. And so we enjoy the assurance That's a massive word, assurance. I mean, there's no more discussion within you as if you're right with God. You are as right with God as Jesus is. For he became one with you. He represented you to the nth degree. He in his own self dealt with your sin, and he in his own self is your very self, delighting in the presence of the Father. He is your peace. He's the poem of God translated into your life. He is the joy of the Holy Spirit. When I say that, you know, Christ is in us. That's, That's what I'm saying. He's in us through the Holy Spirit. Right at this moment, Christ is in me right now. And at this same micro moment that that same Holy Spirit of Christ is in you. We, We are having this conversation inside of Jesus in Christ. And I could spend a lot of time talking about it, which I'm not going to do, but enough to say he's not in you as, say, in a container, you know, it isn't you're sort of hollow and he's in you. We There's a weight, uh, a place for saying something like that. But the, the overall picture is he is totally one with the very core of our being without displacing us. Do you get that? That is... You are still absolutely you. He celebrates your unique personality. 
You, you will be you for unending ages. But he is inside that you without displacing you. And you are inside of him without displacing him. It's amazing, isn't it? But that, that's, that's what spirit does. Spirit can be inside you without getting rid of you. The Holy Spirit can be inside of you without diminishing you. I'm fully me and he's fully he. And that makes, it's a sort of divine math that one plus one equals one. He's in us, in our core, which means that he is thus in our attitudes. See, it's not just this vague inness. He's in our attitudes. The way I look out, my worldview of life, how I look at those other people around me, he's there with me, in me, sharing with me his attitude. It, it it means that he's in, in that sense, he shares, shall I say, my mind, my thoughts, my imagination. You see, this is where the real me originates. Our actions are the belated announcement of where my mind has been these many weeks. And he's in our mind. And I'm in his mind Therefore, I can be a participant in the very mind of Jesus. Look, that sounds like some saint in a cave, but the Bible's not into hermits. Now, when God became flesh, he was always living right up to his earlobes in the middle of a social life. It's not into hermits. This is the gospel that is in the New Testament that I say so many of Western believers have never even looked at because they've been stuck on that idea. Nothing happens until after you die. Look, it says, what, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, and the last verse says, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, what about Philippians 2.5, where Paul says, Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and that word mind there would be better translated as attitude. It, it means the, 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 the very fountain place, the spring within us, where our whole outlook on life comes from. Do, are you beginning to get this? The Holy Spirit of Christ is actually sharing your body, but he shares your mind, he shares your imagination, your attitude, which means he's in my attitude and I'm in his, and so I can actually share in the mind and attitude of Christ. This is who you are. This is what a believer is. Or could I say this is our true identity? Christ in us, the Spirit of Jesus Christ actually in us. It's who we are. This is what Jesus came to do, and he's achieved it. 
And this is what it means to be a believer. So, therefore, that's the way God, the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit sees us. Because God only sees truth. He only sees what is absolutely real. He doesn't see all the fantasies and the lies and illusions that make up much of the thinking of the human race. He only sees the truth. He only knows the truth. And that this is the truth about you. It's the way it is. You have received the peace of God. And therefore, when you look out at life, you see it through the lens of his peace. It's who we are. Hold with me. Don't don't go away in despair. Look, take the prodigal son. Uh, Luke, Luke 15. Um, it's, I think most of you know, I meditated on Luke 15 for 60 years before I wrote my book, This Son of Mine, and um, I'm still meditating on it. I, I, it was this chapter that brought me to understand the love of God and the grace of God. And here comes this, the fellow we call the prodigal, the the guy who's wasted his life, the supreme loser. And he comes from the far country, far away from the place of faith and the knowledge of God. And he went there by intention and choice to get away from it all. And he's lost everything. And he's lived with the pigs, which were a supreme abomination to the Jewish people. And now he's coming home, not as so many people think, to, to, you know, make peace with his father. He came home to get a job, and a lowly job to boot. He is saying, make me as one of your hired servants, which means just a tad above a slave, uh, to be used whenever you want me. But as he comes, now hear me very carefully. Oh, get this. As he comes... And he's homeless. He's a wreck. He's been living with pigs. And he's starving to the point where he wanted to put his head down in the trough with the pigs and eat their food. And he comes home in rags that haven't been changed or washed in months. And, and as the father sees him, get it. It says, the father saw him coming. I mean, see what that father saw coming. And it says, he was moved with compassion, which is love with the tremendous output of energy. Love, the borders on anger that says, you shall not continue in the situation you're in. I love you too much to let it happen. He was moved with compassion, and he ran to the heap of rags that staggered up the road, and he embraces the boy, and it says he smothered him with kisses. And he says, this is my son, Now, you've read it too many times if that doesn't knock you off your chair. You see, I know what I saw when the boy was coming down the road, but the father didn't see. He saw something else. He saw his son. 
and he saw his son as the object of delighting love and buried his lips into that filthy pig-muck skin and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him. And he gave the boy his true identity. For you see, the boy came home with an identity that he tried to give to his father, that, that he was guilty, he was wrong, as wrong as could be, that he was deserving of rejection and excommunication from the family. That was, in his mind, his identification. To go with the pigs in that culture was to be a covenant breaker. He'd been the slave of someone there in the far country. And his clothes and his bare feet, they all gave that story. That's who he is, and anybody with two eyes in their head can see it. But the father didn't see that. Really, he didn't see it. All he could see was that this was his son. And he shouts with joy that, yes, he was lost, but he's found. Yes, he was dead, dead to everything we call life, but now he's alive again. And he embraces him, and he kisses him, which is the most extreme action of love toward unity. (laughs) Have you ever really thought about that before? That here is a pig. Jesus said this is what God is like. Can you understand? The Pharisees didn't get it, that Jesus was sitting with the scum of the earth eating So Jesus told this story. And remember what he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And elsewhere you could also say, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. Has it ever dawned on us? This is how God sees us. God sees us in terms of what his love has accomplished in Jesus. He sees us for who we truly are, not as we have seen ourselves through the lens of Satan's lies. This is my son. And it dawns, if we had more time, we could look at how it did. It dawned on this boy. He's looking in numb amazement at what his father is doing and saying. And and then it dawns on him, and in those seconds of the story, he chooses to trust what his father is saying, and to, well, rest his, his life on the identity that his father is revealing and discovering. In fact, you could put it this way, the boy discovered himself, his true self, in the eyes of his father's love. And he yielded to that love. And the the servants came, and they, they came with fresh clothes that would, clothes that would reflect the true identity that he had as a son of the father. In fact, the clothes that they brought had to be his father's clothes. 
because he'd been gone a long time. And so, so they brought the father clothes that they put on him and shoes on his feet. Um, so he threw off the old filthy clothes that reflected the identity that he'd had before. And he puts on new clothes, which are clothes. And of course, the Jewish people had different clothes for different moods. And so this was the, the celebratory clothes. It was party clothes. And they're going to a feast and kill the fatted calf. So he put off an identity. And he put on another identity. An identity that was not defined by his recent behavior. But it was in accord with how the father saw him saw him actually at his worst. And what the father did, what love did, would be to take that that son and, and forgive him and bring him to a newness of life. You could say that, that the son now wore, remember he wore the father's clothes, it, it would mean he, he wore the poem of the father's love around his shoulders. And the word used, and now this is not in our English version, it is in the original language of this parable, that what happened there between the father and the son is shalom. It is peace. It is that the boy received the peace of his father. And he became that peace. And that is what enraged the elder brother. For when he was coming, remember, he asked the, the servant boy, um, you know, what, what, what's going on? And the word in the original language of Luke 15 the boy said, there is shalom between your father and brother. And that's what sent him into a rage. This is the peace of God. This is, this is how we received the peace of God. Look, I, I tell you, we, we don't receive this with logic. Do you remember what I said about a poem, that it does not appeal to our logic? You you don't learn physics in a poem, right? You don't do chemistry formulas in a in in a in a poem. That's it's, an, it's your intellect, it's your logic. But when I'm speaking of love, when I speak of the impartation of peace, I I, I need something beyond logic because it is beyond logic, and God Himself is totally illogical. Yes, He is. Is irrational. He looks at you and I and says, with you it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Try that in the physics lab. No, you need poetry to say that. You also need to have your eyes open to see what is beyond your mind to grasp. Or as 1 Corinthians 2, when speaking of you having the mind of Christ, it says, I has not seen. You've never seen this with your eyes. <clears throat> Ear has never heard. It's never entered into the heart of man. 
the things that God has prepared for you who love him, but he has revealed it to us by his Spirit. We need our eyes, inside eyes, opened to to see this incredible giving of God's peace. Acts 26, 17. The Lord said to Paul, as he starts on his missionary journeys, and he, he says, I am sending you, what, what for? To get everybody saved. No, no, no. That's not God's language. That's 21st century evangelical language. What he said, which is much more exciting, he said, I'm sending you to open their eyes, which means they've been walking around as blind as bats, to open their eyes. And what will happen then? So that they may turn from darkness to light. That is when their eyes are opened and they see where they've been in darkness, they will turn to the light. And from the dominion of Satan to God, that is eyes opened, means I've seen that I've been a slave to the lies of Satan. What an idiot. And I turn to God, who is truth and joy and peace. In order that they may receive the forgiveness of sins, receive an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Wow, that's... Yes, I need eyes open to see who I am. I need eyes open to see the love of God that transforms me from the inside out. Ephesians 1.17 is a prayer to that end. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom, revelation, or the tearing aside of the curtains in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which you have been called. And so, as we walk in life, it's the most important thing. How how do you see this, Holy Spirit? I mean, I'm in the middle of, of a problem, and I'm I thought it was normal to have anxiety and lay awake at night and worry, but the peace of God says something else. And so, Holy Spirit, how are you seeing this? Because you are in me and this is your situation along with mine. And so, how do you see it? How are you responding to this? And as we face life, we do exactly what the younger brother of the parable did. We get rid of what we thought was our identity, but now we've seen something else. And so we put off, put off. It's a word used quite a bit in the epistles, and it, it was a word used for clothes, that, that you, you go to the closet and you put off the old clothes and put on new ones. And that's the same phrase that's used. You, you put off the works of darkness. That is all the works that rose from living in a world of no peace, that created every form of broken relationships and the destruction of beauty around us. And before you think that I was talking about somebody else, I I mean all gossip, all complaining, all negative, all put down, all revenge 
That's, that's all no peace. That all arises from the accuser, the liar, everything that in any way breaks relationships, in any way that destroys what was to be a beautiful life. And we put on who we truly are, which is the very clothes of Christ, who is the same as the Father. We become who we are. We have our true identity. We, we, okay, we put off that old behavior because it doesn't belong to us anymore. Do, do you get that? I mean, if love now is my true identity, the beloved of God, what does it mean? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God, as the text said. Well, then I, I am living from and living in the love which produces the peace, which produces the joy. That's who I am. What on earth am I doing with behavior of unlove? What am I doing with a behavior that brings only chaos and destruction? It doesn't belong to me anymore. Off with it. So, so you see, I'm not... I don't, I don't go forward every week to say, oh God, I'm sorry I did this, I'm sorry I did this, I stopped doing this so you can accept me. No, it's a realization I am accepted and the Holy Spirit is dealing with the dimensions of my acceptance. And therefore, I don't need this anymore. The Holy Spirit doesn't deal with your old behaviors in person. He deals with who you now are until that fills your attitudes and imagination and mind, who you truly are. And increasingly, you don't need that old life. Look, it's what the Scripture says in the epistles, and these are lengthy passages, but I, I want to deal with them, or at least share them with you, because this is it. Uh, Ephesians 4.20, let, let me just sort of read it through, a spot read it. it. It says, you did not learn Christ in this way. He's talking about that old behavior. That, then he says, sort of parenthesis, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. And he said, have you really listened to it? Have you really seen this love that came to us in Jesus? Do you really realize he himself is the peace of God? Have you heard him? Because if you have, you'll realize this is something other than that old way of life. And he goes on that in reference to your former that old manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Hang on these words. Listen to them carefully. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. So you see, the old self is, is like, it's, it's moving with the maggots. It's, it's moving with, with, with all the corruption that... It is natural to it. Well, it's like flinging from you a garment that's crawling with vermin. Your old self, full of lies, full of illusions, full of self for yourself and self-protection and revenge and bitterness. Oh, put it away. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You're the new creation. 
And then he goes on, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed. Step into the new mind which is yours in the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. And put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So then he steps back to say again what he just said, therefore laying aside falsehood, laying aside, you see. It's putting off, laying aside. It's throwing this stuff from you as you would some filthy vermin-filled coat. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of of you, with his neighbor. We're members one of another. Lying belongs to the liar, Satan. It doesn't belong. We bring peace. You see, peace cannot be found with, with lie. You can never, ever have a relationship with a liar. There's no peace. There's no shalom. Cannot be. It says, be angry, but do not sin. It's one thing to be angry, but it's quite another thing to carry that through to destroy someone else. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. It's not just you stop stealing, it is now you go to work in order to have enough money in your pocket to bless other people instead of take from you. You've had a total reverse of your attitude to your neighbor. Let no unwholesome Do you remember the definition of peace that I gave you three weeks ago? One definition of peace is wholeness. Wholeness of person. It's the mending word. It's the healing word. It's the word that blesses. So it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification or building someone up, strengthening them according to the need of the moment. You've got the word to say just at the right time in the right place. That it may give grace to those who hear it. He goes on, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean he's mad at you. Grief is when, when love is hurt. And it describes the Holy Spirit almost uh, uh, shrinking when uh, unwholesome words are spoken. Uh, And then it describes those unwholesome words. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which means screaming and shouting in anger. They can hear you down the street, you know. And slander, that's what goes on in gossip. Be put away, there's the word again, along with all malice, which is that determined, that intention to get revenge and hurt someone as much as they hurt you. That doesn't belong with a person who lives in peace. Rather, okay, what's peace look like? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. 
or Colossians 3, verse 18, or no, verse 8. It says, now you also put all these things aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Do you know, it's interesting, I was reading it just the other day. Um, In the earliest church, a person who continued in malice and slander and envy and gossip was called by the deacons and and told basically to examine their faith, for they were not acting like a believer. And and the suggestion was you can no longer uh, identify with, with believers if you're going to continue this practice. I thought, isn't that fascinating? I mean, uh, I've traveled the churches for these multitude of years, and I find in most churches they boast in the fact that uh, in our church people don't smoke and they don't drink and they don't, uh, they don't. But do you know in all those places they never had a mention of malice and slander and abusive speech and gossip and complaint? Boy, has the church changed since those early days. Enough said. <laughs> All that belongs to the old person. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with all its evil practices. I thought evil was... Yes, well, evil is defined with how we bring peace or unpeace. How we bring calm and rest to a situation or bring discord and strife. Drama. No, you've laid all that aside, he said. That doesn't belong to you anymore. Christ is your life. You put on the new self, being renewed in the true knowledge. And he goes on, and then at the very end he says, And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyway, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, like the belt that holds it together, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity peace, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Put off, put off, put off, put on. This, that's a, see, he put off. That's almost casual, isn't it? It's like you come in uh, the house and somebody, you can take off your jacket, you know. Just put it off. You see, I, I say it again, the Holy Spirit does not have a big deal of dealing with that old life. That's not where he's he's working. Why? Because that was dealt with in the death of Jesus. So we, we put it off. Think I think you've got to do a lot of Holy Spirit revelation for the these things I'm saying. You see, you put it off because there's no more connection. If it was connected, you see, take off the jacket because it doesn't have any nerve system attached to your body. 
You can just take it off. There's no connection. You are no longer connected to that old unpeace self. Here in South Texas, um, especially here on the ranch, we we have um, snakes. Quite a, quite a lot of them, um, certainly all different kinds. And at certain times of the year, we we see bits of snake skin hanging on bushes, especially if the bushes have got thorns on them or something rugged. Uh, and there it will be. Sometimes it will be quite a length of snake skin, uh, and it's just hanging there. Well, what's happened? Well, at certain times of the year, the snake grows a new skin, a beautiful, beautiful, new, shiny skin. But immediately then, the old skin uh, that's now a year old or so, uh, I, I suppose it begins to itch. It's never happened to me, but uh, to, to watch it happen, it would appear that way. That there's the old skin, and it's now obviously disconnected, but it's still hanging around the snake's body, and the beautiful skin underneath. And, and this old skin is irritating, and you see the snake go up to these bushes and begin to, well, basically scratch off the itch, and then it slithers away, leaving the old skin behind. And every time I've seen that, I realize that's what it is. You see, we, we don't go to the snake that's got a living, vital skin on it and with a knife try to carve off the skin. That would be screaming pain. But no, he puts it off because it's no longer connected. Do you realize your old way of doing things that you were taught by your ancestors, the old way that sprang from the lies, that's not you anymore. You're disconnected from that. You are one with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He's your new identity. So you you put off. Because that behavior that belonged to the old life, it's no longer yours. You don't anymore ever say, well, that's the way I am. It isn't the way you am. You, you am dead in Christ and alive to a newness of life. So it's death. You, have you come along in the springtime and there's still some old leaves of last year and they've gone through the winter and they're still hanging on and they're already browned and wrinkled and and it's when the new life of spring surges through the branch and the old leaves finally drop off you got it you're, you're not going to something that's now alive and connected and trying to get rid of it and dedicating and promising and putting up your hand a thousand times no, it's recognizing in Christ Jesus, I am as free from this as Jesus is, and he is my new identity. Open my eyes to see it. And in the resurrection life of Christ that surges through our inner being, the old behavior, put it off, lay it aside, look at it one more time and say, that's not me anymore. And if it tries to come back, laugh at it in the face and say, that's not me, I'm a new creation in Christ. 
You see, it's time that we accepted our acceptance. See, we're not trying to get somewhere. Our eyes are opening to see who we are, to accept our acceptance, to accept that power in which we live and move and have our being. And therefore, we be the peace of God in a world of no peace. We impact our world simply by being ourselves. The way we handle an adverse situation, the way we deal with people that have hurt us. See, uh, I was raised that you go around with a track full of those little, what were the tracks, little things, you know, um, for spiritual laws or, you know, so some some little thing that you jam on people and say they've got to get saved. Have you wondered why people look at you weird and probably throw it in the nearest garbage can? Because the gospel never comes in a piece of paper. The gospel is the way you live. The peace of God is transmitted to people by how you demonstrate that. Don't go around screaming in people's face they've got to get saved. Rather, walk through a situation without anxiety, without worry. Walk into situations in the courage of God himself in you. And people will come and ask. Now they want to have what you've got. In a nasty situation, let love be the way you talk. Let peace be the object of your living, not the stirring up of trouble, not making people unhappy, not gloating over someone else's hurt. No, be the love of God. Be the peace of God. Impact your world with peace. And people will wonder then who you are. You see, it's by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. It isn't that you share, you know, they, they, they said, you know, you've got to bear fruit. You've got to be a soul winner. No, we're not selling houses here. This is the impartation of life. This is the impartation of lifestyle. You've put off a lifestyle that is normal to the world, and you've put on another lifestyle, which is nothing less than Christ living in you. That's what we're sharing, and that can only be done by living it. You share it by the way you actually live. And, you see, you forgive as you've been forgiven. So first of all, it's got to start in you. You have to know you're forgiven. You have to know you're received and accepted. Then forgiveness is, yeah, it's your new natural. We love one another as he has loved us. So therefore, you've got to know you are loved. And then it grow, Then I can love others. I I've received the peace of God, therefore be anxious for nothing, because I know that I am dwelling inside the peace of God himself. And therefore, out from that peace, you give peace. Have you ever read Matthew 10, verse 12? 
It says, as you enter a house, it's talking about actually entering a stranger's house, give it your greeting. Well, the greeting of those days involved the word peace, this shalom word. So your greeting is to give the peace of the Lord to this house. And then Jesus goes on and says, if the house is worthy, that is, if they want what you're giving, let your greeting of peace come upon it. That means that as you greet with intention out of your spirit, you can actually impart the sense of God's peace even into a house, certainly a situation and a person. But if it's not worthy, that is, if they don't want your peace, let your greeting of peace return to you. It is so substantial, it is so real, that if a person rejects it, then your peace actually comes like a returning pigeon and alights upon you. Amazing. See, and you cannot give what you don't have. You must have received this. You must now be it. Then it's incumbent to give it. It is part of it. Do you, do you remember Peter as he is in Gate Beautiful? He turns to the man, you know, and he said, magnificent words here. He says, such as I have, I give to you. We go through life, you see, giving the peace of God. Why? Because that's where we live. That's who we are. We give peace at the water fountain by not joining in with the slander, the gossip, the lies, and the verbal murder that's going on there. We, we give peace by, by not being included in all the revenge and the malice discussed at the lunch table. Rather, we are seeking ways that the love of God might be to a person. We are giving peace in words of kindness, in words that build people up instead of destroy and turn them. Nancy came up with something the other day. What was it? She read that, that, that this peace is... Um, adjusting the crown on a lady's head when she doesn't even know it's crooked. You know, you're quietly, invisibly just blessing the people with the love of God and the kindness of God and the gentleness of God. And Jesus said such a person is blessed. Blessing or supreme joy is not a disconnected feeling. You know, oh God, give me joy. Is it blump? It's gonna. It's not a disconnected. It arises out of the fact I'm united with Jesus Christ in this present now moment. And as I one with Him, think His thoughts and speak His words and give His peace, there comes the joy of the Lord. And such a person is known as a son or a child of God. Because you're acting out from God, for you're acting out of Christ, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you, and that is a believer. 
Well, may the Holy Spirit open the eyes of all our understandings to recognize this incredible life in Christ. May we recognize that life is so much more than we have been taught. Save us from the half-truths of our ancestors and bring us into the fullness of truth that is in you. So I bless you this night and declare that is the way it is. Amen.